How familiar with YA history are you? If you feel pretty familiar, you may know of the first YA novels, but what do you know of the first queer black YA novel? Welcome to Hey YA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main Hey YA podcast will bring you a short form podcast of YA talk across a wide range of topics. I'm Erica Ezefetti. So I will get into which book is given the credit of being the first Black queer YA novel, as well as a little about the author, and then a couple more Black queer recommendations. But first, let's get into our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Book Riot's new merch. Calling all book nerds who love the viral word game that's sweeping the internet. Start with P-A-G-E-S. Nope, but there is an S. Okay, how about C-O-M-I-C? No, but you're getting warmer. You're sure to get it in less than six. Rock out with our new gear for word nerds, including t-shirts, mugs, and more. Visit bookriot.com merch to buy yours now. So if you're familiar with YA history, you may be tempted to say that The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton, published in 1967, is the first YA novel. But actually, Kelly Jensen did a show detailing how the first YA novel is actually one that was published in 1942, called 17th Summer by Maureen Daly. But these books were written by white women about cis hetero white teens. So what about queer teens of color? To answer that question, let me tell you first about being bold. And what I mean by that is, just picture this. Think about how hard it is still to talk about issues like things that marginalize you. And by that, I mean things like racial and ethnic identities, sexuality, disability, all of those things. So especially when you're faced so blatantly with people who don't try to hide their disdain for you, which can present itself in different ways, In the book world, we're seeing book bans and censorship galore, and all of the people who have been writing into their local representatives, going to school boards, and all those things have been voicing their, again, disdain for people who are different from them. And this is in the year 2022, right? So with all that going on, just think of how difficult it would be to write not only from the perspective of a young Black woman, but also from the perspective of a young Black queer woman living in Harlem. So now not only are you writing the story, but you're also writing it in the 70s and you're trying to get it published and you do get it published in April 1976 to be exact. So I'm leading, I'm leading y'all on a ride, right? So the author I'm talking about is Rosa Gee and the book in particular is Ruby. Ruby is credited as being the first young adult novel to feature a queer girl of color, at least in the Western world. So you know how that goes, caveat and disclaimer and all that. So Ruby is part of a trilogy, which also includes the books, The Friends, as well as the book Edith Jackson. So Gee had an interesting life. And I think once you know a little bit about her life and go on to read her books, you start to see how much her experiences influenced her work. Which, of course, is not an unheard of thing, but I did want to tell you a little bit about her life just because, like I said, it's really interesting and tragic in in many ways as well. So Guy was born in Trinidad in the early 20s. She and her older sister moved to Harlem when they were around 10 years old to rejoin their parents. First, their mother died. Then they had to suffer under their father's tyranny. When he remarried a woman, she was well off, but the marriage didn't last. 
I mean, while the marriage did last, the girls did experience some reprieve from, you know, the father's behavior and just living in like poverty, basically. So once the marriage ended, the girls were again subjected to their father's abusive behavior. And then he also died. So at this point, Rosa was only 14. And although Rosa was younger than her sister by about three years, her older sister, Ameze, wasn't strong enough to work. So Rosa set out to work in a garment district factory, the tender age of 14. So then she and her sister went through foster care, um, foster home after foster home. They lived in orphanages. Guy, having realized her love of storytelling, eventually studied at the American Negro Theater and joined civil rights groups, the influence of which could also be seen in her writing as her books often covered topics like gender, race, and class. Guy also helped to establish the Harlem Writers Guild in 1950, which I think is super cool. Her book, Ruby, in particular, is about a black teen girl who moves from Trinidad to Harlem, uh, which turns her life upside down. She goes from living in paradise to being in this like concrete jungle. It's cold, you can imagine. So she is very lonely. Her mother has passed away and she's left with a controlling father, which sounds familiar, right? Yes. So as I mentioned before, there are some striking similarities between Ruby and the real life Rosa Gee. But back to Ruby. So this really sophisticated woman, Daphne, draws Ruby in. And Daphne is kind of like the opposite of Ruby. She's self-assured and cultured, but she is also lacking in certain arenas as well. And I wouldn't say that they have the healthiest relationship, but they are real people trying to cure their loneliness. And Ruby is trying to figure out who she is. I think everyone should read this, honestly. Even if only for like historical context, I feel like it was really groundbreaking when it came out. And I'm kind of a little surprised that I don't hear about it more. Uh, Let me know if you've heard about it before and like if you've read it and what you thought of it. Again, that's Ruby by Rosa Gee. So for a couple more current queer black YA novels, uh, the next one I have for you is The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by Junaida Petrus Nassau. And this is the perfect second book to mention because it also deals with a black teen girl who has to move from Trinidad to the United States. But this time she's going to Minneapolis. Audrey's relationship with the pastor's daughter leads to her being sent away by her parents. She's scared because in addition to being away from Neri, her girlfriend, uh, she thinks she will lose her culture. She'll have to learn a new one. And she's just not looking forward to being away from people like her grandmother and other family members. So then you have Mabel, who's about the same age, who is in Minneapolis in the United States. And she's trying to figure out who she is and who she's attracted to and what it means when her father tells her out of the blue that a friend of his and his daughter have just come in from Trinidad and they're going to entertain them at dinner. So as you might have guessed... Mabel and Audrey form a strong connection from this meeting and Mabel helps Audrey in becoming acclimated to the new country. So the writing here is lush and lyrical. Audrey's accent slides off the page. Side note, I love Trinidadian accents. I just think not to use the same word over and over again, but I I do think their accents are very lyrical. (laughs) They're very like as a non-Trinidadian, they're nice side note side note over 
Okay, so there are magical realism elements woven throughout, discussions of astrology, and there are also these really interesting side characters. This is a story where like magic and science and theology and culture and blackness and queerness all intertwine into this like magical, wonderful thing. So I think it's great. The last book I have for you today is Right Where I Left You by Julian Winters. Now for a bit of sunshine. And I mean, literally like the cover kind of looks like sunshine even. So Isaac Martin is gay, black, and Latin. He also has a few issues social wise. He feels more comfortable with the people or with say, you know, beings, critters, whatever in his comic books than he does with those he meets in person. The only in real life person he really gets apart from his abuelito is his bi bestie Diego, who also has some nerd points as a gamer. So Diego decides not to go to the same university as Isaac like they had planned, and it just kind of messes things up. Isaac likes to be, he likes things to be planned out. He kind of has anxiety, so he likes things to be hashed out. He likes to know what's coming next. So Diego is really shaking the table. Okay, Michelle, if y'all remember that. Because of uncertainty as a result of his anxiety, Isaac is determined to have the best summer before college starts. So he's trying to have a hot boy summer, obviously. He has like this little itinerary that he wants to go through with Diego before college starts. He wants them to go to a comic convention and Teen Pride and all these cute summer, you know, queer kid, queer nerdy kid things. So Isaac forms this super duper crush on this Brazilian kid, Davi, who is also bi. Then it gets super spicy with this love triangle because there's a lack of communication and everyone is coming of age and they're all trying to figure out how to communicate, really. I mean, some adults still don't know how to communicate, so (laughs) to be fair. Like, they're learning how to respect each other's friends and how to, and they're starting to come into their own with balancing friendship and family and everything like that. So there is, this book I think has a good mixture of friends, family, romance, queerness. It's super inclusive. It's very diverse. And there's a great deal of nerdery to be had. I think this is just like a joyous, sweet book that has, like I said, some great representation. Again, that's Right Where I Left You by Julian Winters. So thanks so much for tuning in today, as well as our sponsor for making the day show possible. You can follow me on Twitter at Erica underscore E-Z-E underscore. That's E-R-I-C-A underscore E-Z-E underscore. Big shout out to Jen Zink, our audio editor, for making me sound like a normal person. Thanks, girl. We'll see you next week on the main podcast where I will be joined by Tears of Price. Until next week, happy reading. Happy reading.